Heavenly Father, that we have access into your presence, that we can stand before you boldly and confidently because of the blood of Jesus. And I thank you that you extend an invitation to everyone that you'd leave the 99 to go after the one to extend that invitation to come into your presence. You'd leave the 99 to go after the one. That one may be you tonight. That one might be, might be someone that you know. All I know is you'll hear the knock on the door of your heart. It's the creator of the universe. It's the spirit of Jesus knocking. And his promise is that if you open the door, he'll come and he'll have supper with you. He'll sit with you. He'll love you. He'll restore you. He'll heal you. He'll enlarge your heart. He'll open your eyes and your ears. I felt tonight to encourage us with this scripture from Romans 8. says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Promise, there is an encouragement in here somewhere. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's through him that you are more than a conqueror. It's his love for you that makes you more than a conqueror. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you that nothing can separate us. And that if there's anyone here tonight feeling separated, I thank you that lie is defeated tonight. That they can forget the former things. Leave the past in the past. I thank you. They can stand in your presence tonight.
Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that we'd be changed by your word and by your spirit tonight. The Holy Spirit, you'd have your way. I ask you to bless our pastors, Pastors Tony, Rabs, and their families, Lord. We thank you for them. We ask for your protection over every part of their lives and that of their families. We thank you as they lead us closer to you. Thank you, mighty God. We give you glory for everything you're going to do here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, good evening. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Kids, you can head up the back. Awesome. How is everyone? Good? Awesome. David's good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, just a couple of um, reminders, if your kids are in the kids' room, uh, we ask that you don't hang out in the kids' room with them, and please just collect them as soon as the preach is over, um, and they have to be toilet trained to be in that room. So if they're not toilet trained, they have to stay with you either in the service or outside, but if they are toilet trained, they can be um, in kids' church and learn, learn the Word of God in there. Any other announcements? I think that's it. Welcome. Yeah, just as we're heading out, just a, a, a reminder, if we could do so quietly, because there is another church service happening downstairs, and um, the doors do not drown out all the sound, so um, they have mentioned that they've heard us heading down the stairs, so if we can just keep it uh, as quiet as possible as we're heading out after the service, they greatly appreciate that, so thank you. And um, who's excited for the Word of God tonight? All right, well, I'm going to invite Pastor Tony up, and as he comes up, why don't you give him a hand? laptop wants to play up. Awesome. Just want to encourage everyone here today. Today is a message of encouragement and 
I want to speak to you from a from a heart of a pastor tonight, and from a heart of a, of a brother and a shepherd. And um, and for those who can't make Wednesdays, I mean, Rabbits is back on Wednesday. I think everyone's sick of hearing me now. And and let's go to Genesis. And no, I'm joking. We're going to talk about Adam one more time. I'm joking. But um, so if you can't make it on Wednesday, we understand um, people's schedules are, are busy and families. But I really encourage you that if you miss Sunday, listen to Sunday online because it's all recorded. It's all on YouTube, on Facebook. On If you don't have technology, let us know. The guys here will help you. And if you can't make Wednesdays, listen to Wednesdays online because you'll get the heartbeat um, <clears throat> for those who are with us all the time. It's not an issue, but the guys that come and they visit, that's fine. And guys that are looking for a home, but have a listen to the messages either Wednesday or Thursday because it gets a heartbeat about what God's doing in us and where he's taking us. And you get a, a foundation of what God is doing on the earth. And it's amazing what God's doing around the world. I speak to pastors all around the world and, and I speak to people in Australia. And it's amazing what God's doing. You know, where there's a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of darkness, there's a lot of people preaching the light of the gospel, Amen. No matter what happens to this election this week, next week, whatever happens around the world, ain't going to change nothing. The devil is still out to destroy. But Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. So if Jesus is not the first place, a premise in your life, you're going to go through barriers and go through situations of life. And it's all going to be really nice and fluffy, but it ain't going to change nothing. Only Jesus can change the atmosphere around us. The Bible says the earth travails and groans awaiting the sons of God to be revealed. Now, we've been sharing the last couple of weeks about Jesus being the light, and we spoke a lot on Wednesday about Adam and how God restored Adam from the garden, and we're a type of Adam. But now we've been, uh, Adam has died. The, the, the question was, where is Adam now? Adam died. When Jesus went to the cross, he came as the son of man, Adam. He killed him on the cross. The species of Adam died that day, and Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, of many brethren, speaking of spiritual death and spiritual being alive spiritually, that he can give us the right to become sons of God. So I'm going to talk about being sons. When I mean sons, girls, I'm not talking about a gender. I'm talking about a position. Amen? So when I say, when I say sons, I'm referring to sons and daughters. I'm referring to children of God. Okay? So if, you, you know, if you're not here Wednesdays or you're not here Sundays, it doesn't matter, no condemnation. But uh, write their names down. Um, I'm joking. But listen and just get that foundation of what, uh, what we're preaching in the sense that where God's taken us. It's not about what we preach. It's about what God's telling us to share with you and impart in your life. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Too late. Take me to Mr. Puddle. How to walk in our sonship or walking in sonship. And I picked that picture for a reason because you see footsteps. And a lot of people say when they see someone that goes like father, like son. Or like daughter, like mother. Or, you know, you remind me of your father. Or you remind me of your mother. And you've got these similarities in our natural. But when the world see us, do they see an image they don't understand? Do they see Jesus in us or do they just see another bunch of people? See, the world's not going to understand when I say the world, I'm not talking, I'm talking about people that do not confess Christ as Lord, that are consumed by the world or the systems of this world. And they don't, if they see you, what do they see? It, it was said that the only difference between, 
in, in, in one preacher was preaching at his church because the only difference he was re actually rebuking his church and his church was about two three thousand people he says the only thing i see different between us and the world is you come to church on sunday but monday you're like everybody else and the church went dead quiet because christ in you the hope of glory has to reflect Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is about not knowing more scripture or doing more Bible studies. or This is about reflecting Christ. But how are we going to reflect him or walk like him if we don't spend time with him? Many people have had experiences with God and they're still living off that experience. But there's nothing changed in their heart. Many people have had experience and are walking, but now they think that God owes them something. And today we're going to talk about the maturity in the body of Christ. How are we going to mature and walk with Jesus? Amen. It's interesting, you know. Jesus had, um, he had 70, 72 disciples at one stage. And the Bible says he sent them out two by two. And he said to them, and he gave them instructions. Go, into, go out there and don't knock on anyone's door. Just go into different cities. And whoever invites you in, you know the son of peace, peace is there. Go in, eat with them. And share the, share the kingdom of God with them. And if they don't accept you in, dust your feet and walk away. And they've gone. He sent two by two. And when they came back, they said, Lord, man, this is amazing. Demons are subject to your name. And Jesus says, really? And he talks to them about, I saw Lucifer fall out of heaven like an angel of light. And then he goes on to tell them, don't rejoice because demons are subject to my name but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life or the book of life. But then Jesus in the next verse says, he rejoiced in the spirit. Like Jesus rejoiced and they got excited that these 72 men actually took his authority and went out to preach the kingdom of God. And then he talks about no one knows the father except the son and no one knows the son except the father. And he goes on to talk about that. But then Jesus, next verse says, in Matthew, if you, if you read the Gospels in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, he'll show you a parable in Matthew that links up with a parable in Luke or Matthew or Mark. The next thing he says, a man had two sons. He said to one son, go out and work in the field. And the son said, yeah, I will. And he said to the next son, go work, work in the fields because, no, I don't want to. But what happened was the one that said no felt, no, that was wrong. He repents in his heart and he goes and works. But the one that said yes didn't go. Then Jesus asking a question, which one of these two, he didn't say which one of these two love me. He says, which one of these two did the will of the father? He says the one that went. And isn't it interesting? God's asked us to do something. People think, well, am I in God's will? Well, he's asked us all to do something. We're going to touch on the basis of what God's asked us to do. But until we belong, we will never become. Until we belong and understand that we belong in the Father's house, you'll never take his authority and walk in the freedom that you should have. See, in the kingdom, the sons and daughters have the benefit of the kingdom. Everyone else serves the king, serves the kingdom. But the sons and the daughters, they're freely receiving the inheritance by grace because they are related. Well, you know, we've been adopted to the Father in the Father's house, spirit of adoption. I finished off with this on Wednesday, and I'll start with this. Romans 8, 14. Just quickly go back to that one, and I'm going to establish something. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. We have been adopted in the family. The spirit of adoption. Not the spirit of bondage. Unto fear. People are in bondages in the body of Christ today. But we need to understand that he did not give us a spirit of bondage unto fear. See, what happens when you're a slave? You have a master. If you have a bad master, what does he do? He uses fear and intimidation to control you, does he not? I'll kill your kids. They'll whip you. They starve you, whatever. If you don't have this, if you don't get this, you won't be happy. All these sort of things. That's the spirit of fear. Jesus said, I never gave you a spirit of fear. But love, power, and a sound mind. Are you with me? Love, the love of the Father, power, and a stable mind. But see, what happens when fear hits you? You don't understand the love of God. You lose power and you have an unstable mind. What happens when you get bad news or something's going wrong in your business or something's going wrong? What happens? Fear hits you. It's trying to rob you of that peace. And that means you have no more power. You don't know how to pray. You have no more love. You think God's doing this on purpose or God doesn't love me. And then you say, I have an unstable mind. You go mad in your mind. That's what happens when fear hits you. But he never gave us a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of sonship, daughtership, if, if, you, if you lack of a better word. So you've got to understand something. We spoke with, about Adam to Jesus. On Wednesday, we went from Genesis to Revelation. We're not going there again. But there's three, three core reasons why Jesus came. There's three major, and out of that, you can, we could talk about a million things. The first one was, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Every structure the devil had set up, Adam lost dominion. The devil took dominion. God never lost control, but God gave dominion to man, Adam, his son. Adam failed. Adam committed treason, and then devil took over, and then he started to plant seeds, structures, and he formed his own kingdom, the structures of this world. But Jesus came to remove every legal right against us. The first thing he did, he came to what? To destroy the works of the enemy. The second thing he came to do was to seek and save those who were lost. And the third thing, he came to establish his kingdom in this earth and through us. Now let me touch on the first one. If you've been around here long enough, you know. Every legal right against you has been dealt with at the cross. When Jesus went to the cross... He went as Adam, because Adam lost the legal right, and we came under the curse. If you're a Jew, you're under the curse of the law. If you're not a Jew, you're under the curse of Adam. Each way, we're all under the curse. Jesus took the curse that we can become blessed, and we can go through all that. We've spoken about the blood of Jesus, how he redeemed us, how he's our high priest, how he's our sacrifice, how he's our prophet, how he's, you know, um, he who knew no sin became sin that we could become the righteousness of God. But why did he establish all that? Why did he do that? The Jews had the Ten Commandments. The Jews had many laws. But Jesus said, this law is an external law, from a, but you have an internal problem. The external law showed Jesus, the Father's character and nature. God's standard is high. Someone said to me, well, if God's going to give you a law and 
you can't keep it. It's like God's setting you up for failure. He goes, yes, he is. He didn't set you up for failure. He set you up to show you that you need a saviour. Hello, Lord. Are you there? The law, no one can keep it. Show me your, show me anyone in this world. If you could keep the law, you'd make it, but you can't. The Bible says you break one, you broke them all. So that's God's standard. It's too high. And because of our flesh, Paul says, we can't keep it. But one came in the flesh that could keep it. Hallelujah. He's Jesus. He paid for it in full. So every written requirement against us was paid for. Every structure the devil did put on us has been brought down. The Bible says he went into hell and paraded the devil and his, and his demons. And it was he did a, vac, uh, a victory lap and gave them all an eviction notice and said, and then he rose from the dead. So he destroyed the works of the enemy. Then he says, I came to seek and save those which are lost. I didn't know I was lost till I was found. I'm speaking about myself. You might be Jesus' first cousin, but I wasn't. I was the devil's right-hand man. Oh, you weren't that bad, yeah? In my heart, I was filthy. Because when I measure up my heart compared to the heart of the Lord, I'm filthy. Paul said it this way. I'm the, I'm the greatest of all sinners. The apostle Paul said, I'm the greatest of all sinners. He knew the Bible back to front. By the, he knew the first five books of the Bible by the age of five off the heart. By the age of 30, he would have known the whole Old Testament. He was zealous for God. He thought these heretics, these Christians, they weren't called Christians, they were called these believers or people of the way, these followers of Christ, they were heretics. And God got a hold of him. And he went from being zealous for God to serve God to getting touched by God to seeing how good God really is to going back and serving and giving the rest of his life as a son, no matter the cost. Dorian read that scripture. Paul wrote that. To go and seek and save those, to bring us out of the darkness into the light, to bring us from, from uh, orphans to sons and daughters. He gave us a spirit of adoption. You know, in, in, in modern day, if you adopt a child, I don't know anyone here has adopted someone, but if you adopt a child, I know, I know a few people that have, that child, once it's adopted, legally has every right to the inheritance of the parents as much as the biological children. So if that works in the natural, even if the parents die, sorry, if the parents die and they go to the wake and they start punching on about the will, which is very common. <laughs> oh, we love each other until someone dies and there's $100 million in assets. Even as someone who passes away and lives in inheritance to, say, five kids, five people, but one of them's adopted, those other four cannot say they're not my, they not have any right to the will. They can't say that because they're not even a biological, doesn't matter. They have every legal right as the, as the biological kids. How much more us who have been adopted into the Father's house through the blood of Jesus? Come on, somebody. We have something in God that he's given us as an inheritance. Yes, our sin has separated us from God. And as Christians, we sin. But he's faithful and just that if you confess your sin, he will forgive us. Are you with me? See, if I start to walk like my father, and I want to share this story. I shared this with my wife today. There was a young man who grew up, and his father was an ex-military man, very hard, very regimented, very strong, worked hard. He was, he was uh, uh, in the army. He, when he left the army, he, 
He was, a very, he was disciplined, very talented man. His son grew up in that house. But along the way, as the kid became a teenager, his, son, his father was very hard on his son. And this boy, but this guy, father taught him how to swim. Um, he could swim long miles. He could run. He, he was a good sportsman. He could play music. Uh, he taught him about um, biology because his father was a medic and a general in the army. So he learned all these things. But as he grew, the son started to rebel against the father. Then his father was a you know disciplined, so get up at six, go to work. But this guy stopped going to work, started drinking, started doing things that in a rebellious nature. And one day they had a massive fight, and the son just hated to hear the voice of his father, hated everything about what he was learning. He goes, He only loves me because I can swim. Or he only had all these weird and wonderful ideas. And then what he did, he rebelled and had a massive fight. And then one day he said, That's it, I'm packing up and I'm gone. And he left. He moved to another part of town, another city. And he lived there for months. And he'd ring up every now and then, check up on his mother. But then every time he heard of his father in the background, he just, this, this offense, this anger, this hatred towards his father, he stopped ringing his mother to check on him. Now, this guy one day is walking down the street to get something to eat. And a, a man saw him walking and he saw him from a distance and he's staring at him. And this young man's walking and then he realized he locked eyes with this older man. And he, he walked closer and closer. And this man said, sorry for staring, but... You remind me of someone. He goes, oh, no, I'm not from here. I've just moved into town. He goes, yeah. Mate, I, I was in the army. And I, I, there was a guy named Jeff. I can't remember what the name was, but let's say Jeff. It wasn't Abdul or Tony or Rabi. It was Jeff. It was in America. But the likely chances is none of us. But he says, oh, you remind me of someone. The way you walk, the way you look, your physique reminds of him. And the guy just was shocked because his father was named Jeff. He says, oh, I have a father named Jeff. He goes, he was in the army. He goes, yeah, my dad was in the army. He goes, oh, I can't believe it. I owe that guy my life. And the boy looked up. He goes, why? He says, because we're on a, on a routine um, mission. And a bomb went off. And I got thrown off the boat. And I was in the water. And I got knocked out. And your father didn't hesitate. Dived in the water. Grabbed me out. Did CPR on me. And, you know, I owe him my life. He saved my life. Now, this young man heard this story. And he said, I've never heard that about my father. He thought his father was cruel and just it's all about achieving something and it's all about doing stuff. And this old man said, listen, we have a, well, he was a Christian. He goes, we have a fellowship on Sunday afternoon and we have Bible studies after church if you want to come and we'll be at the park. And so he gave him the address because, look, I'm not interested, but thanks anyway. But something stirred in that kid's heart. The guy, everything he wanted to do, that boy was get away from the father. He didn't want nothing to do with the father. He didn't want to even hear about the father. And yet he says, I saw you walking and you walk like him. You look like him. You even speak like him. And that burnt him in his heart. But then he heard something about the father he never heard before, that he saved someone's life. He thought his father was a selfish, hard man. It was all about him. And this didn't sit right in his heart. So what he did next morning, he got up and he went to that fellowship. And he heard a message about the, how much Jesus, uh, the Father sent the Son. And he said how much the fa Jesus says the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. And he heard all these things about Jesus. And he said that I can do nothing without my Father. And then they went back to do some fellowship after church. And they're sitting in a park next to the beach. And he's sitting there listening to these men talk about Jesus and about the love of the Father. He never saw God like that. He never saw that God was a Father because his Father was hard. And he had a perception that the Father was evil. And then all of a sudden, people start screaming. And they find out this, a little kid just fell out of a boat. 
and they're out in the ocean. This kid didn't hesitate. He ran. He could run like the wind. He hopped in the water. He could swim like the best swimmer. He got there. The kid was drowning because he was unconscious. He pulls him back in without thinking about it. Pulls him back in. Puts him on the sand. Does CPR on the kid. Brings him back to life. By that time, the medics had come and he had saved his life. He got up and he was in shock. He didn't think. What was naturally on the inside of him, he reacted. I'm going somewhere with this. See, he comes up and the old man goes, comes and hugs him and kisses him. He goes, no, you do the same for me. He goes, no, you don't understand. That's my grandson. He goes, you're just like your father. Your father jumped in without hesitation, bullets flying. I'm dead. They thought I was dead. He jumped in the water and saved my life. And you did the same thing. It's like whatever's in you, then the father was in you. And you just reacted and you saved my grandson. I can't thank you enough. This guy couldn't handle it and he ran, ran away. He's just going crazy. And the beauty of the story is that he rings his father and says, I'm sorry, Dad. His father broke down and cried. He said, son, all I have is yours. I'm sorry I'm not who you want me to be. I'm not perfect. And you know what the beauty thing is? Jesus came just like the father. There was no hesitation for Jesus. He goes, only do what I see my father do. See, we got a bad rap on God that God is evil or God just judges us for everything. And you know, Jesus, well, you know, Jesus saved some and not others. That's the lie from the pit of hell. Whatever's in Jesus was in the Father and vice versa. But guess what? Whatever's in the Jesus and the Father is in you and me. We have to portray the Son, the Father. For the Father loves the Son and gives all authority unto the Son. He goes, I'll give it unto you. I was just worshiping now, I just saw Cookie worshiping. I see this little girl worshipping. And if it wasn't for the father getting touched by the father and the son and the son growing and being in his family, I could testify that I've got three boys. I've never had to get them out of jail. I've never, where I was, I never had to get them off the street drunk like I was. I never had to pull them out of a fight like I was. You know why? Not that they're perfect, but I love the father and the father loves the son and he looks after your family. This little girl's worshipping God. Why? Because something changed in his heart. Something changed in my heart. If you want to know the fundamental fabric of this church or this fellowship, is to know the Father and to enjoy the Father. But do you reflect, the, are you a son and a daughter? Do you reflect him? It's an amazing thing. The third thing he came to do was establish the kingdom on earth. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So God now reduces God Almighty, Yahweh, where the Jews wouldn't even spell his name. They would abbreviate it in fear they did something wrong and he'd kill them. That's how they had a perception. He says, our Father, the one that birthed everything into existence, hallowed be your, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. We'll never bring heaven itself down to earth. But we're bringing the way God does things down to earth. The principles of God will come down to earth. He says, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. If I put my hand out, that says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Was that hard? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right there. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. What's he talking about? Contempt. The kingdom of God is within you. So he came to destroy the works, the legal right, everything that you've done wrong, every seed that you've sown, every accusation against you, you, your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather. Jesus came to destroy that. The second thing, he came and got you into the father's house. 
that you were lost, but now you are found. And now he establishes the kingdom within you. It's the way God does things. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. What is he saying? Someone's coming after the kingdom that's within you. His name is Lucifer. His name is the devil. His name is the spirit of the world. Come on to rob what's in you. But God says, take it by violence. Some of you parents need to know how to start praying for your kids because you're letting somebody else pray for them. You want the pastor to pray for them. You want the preacher on YouTube. You're looking for the next best 10 curses how to break. But if you don't rise up, because God gave you authority over your children. Come on, somebody. I used to go lay hands on my kids when they were asleep because someone told me I believed anything. They can hear you. Their spirit can hear you. So I'd lay hands on my kids when they're sleeping. I didn't want one little inch of the devil because I knew I gave him a lot in my life. I don't want none of that in my kids. And my prayer was, Lord, let them find you like I found you. Let them have an experience with you like I've had an experience with you because they can't live off my faith. One day I'll fall. One day I'll die. One day I'll, I'll mess up. But I want them to have their faith anchored to Jesus, not to me. We are there, responsible as a shepherd over this flock. We're responsible over our wives. We're responsible over our kids. But listen to me. The responsibility is a stewardship responsibility. In other words, God's given me something I have to steward. And the more I steward it, the more anointing I walk in. God's not going to give you all the anointing while you're sitting at home. Playing with the world. But as you walk in Him, one step at a time, you see another facet of God. That young man... When he went to save that little girl, that moment when he ran, he didn't think, my oh, dad made me run hours. He didn't think, my oh, dad made me swim many hours. Oh, I have to sit there and learn CPR. He went in natural mode and he saved that kid's life. You know what? God's putting the gospel in you. Why are you attaching yourself to dead gods? Why are you yoking yourself with an unbeliever? You cannot change no one. Listen to me. I cannot change no one. You cannot change no one. But God can change them. But if God hasn't asked you to link with them, get away. Stop linking yourself with things that are not of God. Mary came to the tomb and she said, oh, where's my Lord? He goes, Mary, why do you look for the living among the dead? We're still looking for a dead, deadness. We're still looking for things that are dead. We're attaching ourselves to dead moves of God. There's some Christians in your world that need to go because they're dead. They're living in the past. There's no new, nothing, there's no life in them. But we got to understand that God, the Father, every day refreshes us. His mercies are new every morning. That every scripture we teach, everything you confess, everything that we pray, what are we doing? We're doing push-ups. We're doing sit-ups. We're doing swimming. So when that day comes, you can just react like the Father. You don't need to hear from the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is in you. He just makes you do what you're meant to do. I only do what I see my father do. I want to walk down the street and say, it just reminds me of Jesus. Get out the rope. <laughs> John 5, 19. Can we turn the on? John 5, 19. And Jesus answered them and said to them, most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. I often say, when Jesus cast out a devil, or when Jesus healed someone, did he see the Father do it? Did he stop and have a look and got on WhatsApp and did a video call and Zoom meeting? And What was he saying here? I've seen this in the Father. 
I've seen this in the Father. I've, I've seen healing in the Father. I've seen miracles in the Father. I've seen integrity in the Father. I've seen good character in the Father. When someone gets sick, the first thing I do is pray. So I'm praying that my kids one day, when their kids get sick, the first thing they do is pray because they've seen their Father do it. Come on, somebody. I want them to have that relationship with God. But see, we are a walking testimony to God. Ephesians 5, 1, 2. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Well, he said a lot of things and then he says therefore. In other words, you've got to know what it's there for. All right, so he says a lot. But Paul says, be imitators of God as the children. How do I imitate God? Question for you, how do I imitate God? If I'm a son and a daughter, I've been bought at a price. The Holy Spirit lives in me. He's changed my nature into the nature of Christ. He's empowered me by the Holy Spirit. The mind of Christ lives in me. The Word lives in me. And then I can imitate God. How? By His character. His nature. Some things you don't need advice about. There's some stuff in your world, if you really looked in the mirror, you don't need a prophet to come and tell you, thus says the Lord. You, there's some things in your world, you don't need the next pastor to come and tell you, I've got a word for you. You don't need to be, you just know that you know that you know because the nature of God lives in you. That son, that young boy, even though he didn't love the father or he thought he didn't love the father, he was away from the father. But what the father had placed in him, you can never take out. See, what God's placed in your heart right now is the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for you tonight. If you've been away from God, we're going to pray for you tonight. But see, my prayer is only going to be in agreement into you. But if your heart is not for him, you're like the one that says, yes, Lord, I love you, but I'll do nothing you say. Which one is doing the will of the father? Next verse. Oh. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Now, if I was to go back, if we had time, when he sent the 72 out, I believe Jesus, the Bible says he rejoiced in the spirit. I believe that was the sweet smelling aroma when they went out and came back excited that, you know what? Demons are subject to your name. You know why I believe Jesus was excited? Because they actually went two by two and preached the kingdom, took his authority and saw the manifestation and Jesus was rejoicing in the spirit. Just like a loving father would see, teach his son something or his daughter something and you see that. And he says, it's like a sweet smelling aroma. Listen to this. The 72 went out two by two, yeah? Out of the 72, a lot of them left. There was only 12 left. When Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Then he says, you want to go too? Says, Where do we go? You're the only ones that have words to eternal life. They didn't understand. And out of the 12, one betrayed him. That's why he says, don't rejoice that you can cast out devils in my name, but rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1. This is the Apostle Paul. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That used to bug me, that scripture. Because we meant, we meant to imitate Jesus. But what he was, he wasn't trying to take 
premise from Jesus, but he had labored for that church. He had sown in that church. And he's saying, listen, stop playing with the world. Look, I'm, your, I'm the father in your faith. I'm, I'm leading you. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting for you. Just imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because I guarantee you they'll ring him for prayer. I guarantee you that when they fell, they rang poor. I guarantee you when they're sick, they rang poor. I guarantee you when they were in trouble, they rang poor. And Paul's saying, okay, well, imitate me. What was Paul doing? Praying in the spirit, fasting, preaching the gospel, walking in the walk of the Lord. What was he doing? But if you're going to go home like a stunned mullet and sit there and think God's going to move in your life, <clears throat> ain't going to work. New one. <laughs> Last week it was, <laughs> now this one's, <laughs> it's from a game show. <clears throat> when you get it wrong, you know, that one. Are you getting this? This is a word of encouragement, I promise. Because it's challenging me to be not better, not climb a higher corporate ladder. But it's challenging me to see Jesus in me. When, Jesus, when you understand who you belong to, you become. Once I know I belong in the Father's house, there's no theologian. There's no demon. There's no principality and power. There's no family member. There's no gun. There's no court can change my mind that I'm a son. You can't take that off me. You can take a lot of my theology off me if you want, but you'll never take my sonship off me because I know I belong in the Father's house. Once you know you belong, nothing else matters. You know, in every religion in the world, go look it up yourself. Where do you see a personal relationship with, with God? God is out there, you're here. You're trying to get to God. They might say that you're a child of God or an a child of God, but no one ever has the ability to bring you into the Father's house like Jesus did. They actually were saying, you're a blasphemer, Jesus, for you forgive sin and you claim to be God's son. In other words, to them, you were claiming to be God. He goes, well, what's easier? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. He just healed a man. He says, the manifestation of God is in me. I'll do nothing without the Father. See, our sonship, guys, listen to me, our inheritance, if we understand, listen to me, there's too many people in the Father's house who don't think they belong. Two brothers, the prodigal son, one worked day and night, did everything right, never sinned, never took drugs, never slept around, and he did not know the Father. And one did rebel and did all the opposite, and he rebelled against the Father. And God looks at those two sons, and he says, both of them didn't know who I was. But if anything, the younger one who rebelled and sinned and blew it all came home. He had enough sense to come home. And I love what he says to the older brother. But you give him a you know, fatted calf, you chuck a party for him, he's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I never do nothing wrong. I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible. I give my tithes. I pay. I do this. I do that. I work 24 hours, seven days a week. And the father looks at him and says, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. Problem was, the older son didn't know it. Isn't that a sad place to be in church or be in the be a Christian all your life and not know what's rightfully yours? Because he didn't have a relationship with the Father. He was speaking about the religious people, the Pharisees of his day. He says to him about the two sons. He says, "I told him to go out. One said yes, one said no. One went, one didn't." And then he asks the Pharisees, if you read it in context. He says, which one of them has done the will? He says, the one that said yes. The one that said no but went. 
He says, no, you do likewise. And then he looks at me and he says, prostitutes, tax collectors, and murderers are getting into the kingdom before you guys. Because you say yes, but your hearts are from me. But the ones that know nothing about me are coming in. When John preached, John the Baptist, they ran to John in the wilderness. There was nothing good about going into the desert to get baptized and be told you're a dirty, rotten sinner. But they ran to him. Why? There was, some, there was a conviction in the heart. They believed on what he was saying about repentance. You must believe. 1 John 3, 1. I love this bit here. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, behold, what manner of love is this? Next, next, is that, you got the next scripture? Beloved, the ones I'm in love with. Beloved means I'm in love with you. Now we are called children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but when we know that, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is speaking, I believe, in his second coming. You see it now, but we, will, we don't really even know. Because when we, when we sit to see Jesus face to face, we're going to go, wow. And you're going to look back at your life and think, why didn't I give it all? I'm going to look back and say, I could have gave him a bit more. Because the beauty, the character, the nature, the position we have in God is so much more than what the world can offer. But we are the light in us of the world. And the world's dying. We don't come in judgment. Galatians 8.26. We don't come in judgment. We come in love. Look at this. For all are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Next verse. I lost it. Anyway, in Galatians somewhere. What's 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 twenty six? All right, next verse. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ. Stop there. Didn't we say when Adam was, was, was created, man made Adam male and female? So man, Adam from the dust of the earth was created. A woman came from man. A man with a womb. She wasn't called Eve till after the fall. So man created Adam, mankind. One, male and female. Paul now is going back. Can we go back to that? Paul's going back to this. And he's saying, listen, because at this time of Galatian church, these Galatians were Jews that became Christians. And then all of a sudden someone crept in and said, you need to, still need to be circumcised. You still need not to eat ham. You still need to keep the Sabbath. And he's saying, man, who's bewitched you? And I was, who put a spell on you? And he talks about that we've been baptized in Christ. We're a new creation. Then he says there's no Jew and there's no Greek, there's no slave, there's no free, and there's no male and there's no female. Why? Because in the, in the garden, that's what it was like. It was just man and God. And he's saying now that we're all one in Christ now. What's the next verse? And if we're all in Christ, then we are all Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What does he mean by heirs according to the promise? Abraham believed God. 
gave him an inheritance, gave him from his seed the nation would be blessed, talking about Jesus. Abraham had many sons, but from the lineage of Abraham, the Bible says Abraham was the apostle of faith or the promise, he believed in the promise in advance. In other words, when Jesus came, Adam was fulfilled that he was righteous before God. We have been grafted in, talking about us, all of us that weren't Jews now are grafted in to the promise of Abraham. And look at this. We have now, we are heirs according to the promise. Listen, we are allowed to walk into the Father's house freely because of the blood of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Healing is yours. Deliverance is yours. Prosperity is yours. But it doesn't just come because you are your spoiled brat and you come up to God. Well, God doesn't give me nothing. So, okay, well, listen, spoiled brat, would you give your son the keys to the car when he was 10? And yet you who are evil do right things. How much more your heavenly father? We're going to grow up as a people. And we need to grow up in maturity, not in perfection. But when we mature, we become perfect in him. Perfection just means maturity. Hallelujah. It's interesting. When you go through most of Paul's letters, he always refers back to being children of God. It never leaves his teaching. The first thing he starts with is, my God and my Father, God of all fathers, grace and mercy. He always starts that. Why? He understood first and foremost he was a son. Understood it. And a daughter. He understood it. It's interesting when Jesus goes into the temple on the Sabbath and he healed so many people on the Sabbath and it must have been happening every Sabbath because the Jews were waiting and watching him and going, let's watch him and see if he heals anyone on the Sabbath. Not, not a lot of work in their opinion on the Sabbath. Remember that story? He says, hey, there's six days to work. Leave the Sabbath for rest. He goes, my father's always working. He goes, you, you hypocrite, you. Don't you take your donkey out and give it water on the Sabbath? Or if it falls in the ditch, don't you get it out of the ditch? But when it comes to a human being in the temple, you get upset because I healed them. See, the Sabbath was a day of rest, and they had perverted it. They had made it so hard. You know, a Sabbath's walk was a thousand meters. A thousand, yeah, a thousand meters. That's called the Sabbath's walk. They made it so hard on the Sabbath. They said, you can't plow the grounds. You know, when they said no farming on the Sabbath. But then they introduced the law where if you spit on the ground and it doesn't hit the rock, but it hits the dirt and you walk over it, you've lifted up dirt. That's plowing. You've broken the law. That's their traditions on top of the law. And what Jesus was saying you put bondages on people and you don't lift one finger to help them. He goes, you go and travel the whole countryside to make one convert. And then when you bring him in, you make him twice the devil than what he was. He goes, you're of your father. The devil. That's a harsh statement. You are of, you are of your father. You know what he says? You remind me of your father. He was a liar from the beginning. Girls, I want to share this with you. When we're talking about sons, please get your mind out of the fact that there are places there where males are doing stuff and females are doing stuff, where certain things are for males and certain things are females. There's order. There's divine order in God. It's contrary to what the world says. But I remember there's a story, and God spoke to my heart about this, where there's a woman that's hunched over 
on the Sabbath in the temple. And Jesus says, this woman's a daughter of Abraham. Why is she hunched over? And he rebukes the spirit out of her, and she straightened up that very minute. In other words, he was saying to the Jews, what are you doing so wrong when a daughter of Abraham, who's part of the inheritance, is walking around sick? She had every inheritance to be healed. He's saying, she's in the temple serving, and yet she's got a hunched back. And he's saying, she's a daughter of Abraham. She's got an inheritance. That very minute. Because the devil had infiltrated them. The devil had infiltrated the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrins. And he, he manipulated the law and he got in there and he perverted it and he destroyed it. And Jesus says, that's enough. No more fruit from you. And he curses the fig tree in front of the temple. Because the new law would be the law of faith. That Jesus would fulfill that law. Can you get the picture? She was a daughter. In other words, she had her own sonship or she was a daughter of the king. She was a daughter of Abraham. She had a legal right to be healed. And if you've got sickness in your body, you have a legal right to claim your healing. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. You've got to start believing. You've got to put away childish things. You've got to understand. See, in our identity, God restored our identity. He gave us a position in the kingdom. Then he gave us authority. And with that came power. The, the 72 had authority over demons. But when Jesus came, he says, all authority has been given unto me. And he says to the disciples, now I'll give it unto you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, but wait for the promise to come. What was that promise? Come on, Bible students. What was that promise? The Holy Spirit. I give you authority now. I've taken all the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I've stripped the devil of all his legal right. Now they're on parole and they're trying to squat. They're trying to, to be transgressors now. They're trying to break into your house. When you got legal right to kick them out. He says, well, I'll give you power, but wait till power comes. I've given you authority now. I've destroyed the works of the devil now. I've paraded them, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come, the spirit of truth, and he'll guide you into all truth. And he baptized them in the Holy Spirit. They started to speak in tongues, and the Holy Spirit fell on him. Peter was locked up like a coward, scared of the Jews, and then he got filled with the Holy Spirit and walks out, and he preaches to 3,000 Jews that day, religious Jews, 3,000. He didn't have an altar call and say, you want to give your heart to Jesus? You want to come up the front? Here, wait, wait, stop. Andrew, stop playing some music. Stop playing music. Shh, stop the kids. No, no, he just preached. And they said, what shall we do to be saved? They said, what must we do to be saved? These are religious, fanatical Jews that come into Jerusalem from all around the world. What did they see in Peter? What did Peter say? What was on Peter? You know what it was on Peter? The spirit of sonship, where we cry out, Abba, Father. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, I won't leave you as an orphan. An orphan is someone without a father, not a mother. He says, I won't leave you as an orphan. Why? The spirit of fathership, sonship came upon Paul. Power came upon him by the Holy Spirit. And he spoke as a man with authority all of a sudden. And the Holy Spirit brings the conviction. See, you don't convict anyone. You can't change anyone. But the Spirit in you, when you preach truth, brings conviction. You see, you don't want to bring condemnation. That's from the devil. But when you bring the Word of God, it brings conviction. Conviction is good. You know why? I get convicted. Now, something has to change, Lord. And God says, that's where I want you. Because they said, what must we do? He says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. 
And he finishes off by saying, there's only one name. There's only one name. If you're listening online, please hear my heart. We're not preaching a denomination. We're not preaching uh, another ideology. We're preaching Jesus. There's only one name under heaven you should call on to be saved. That name is Jesus. Can we stand? I'm just going to play this song but softly, not too loud. But I want you to think about what I just said. Everybody's at a different place. Everybody's got a different walk with God. But I want you to understand something tonight. You're all cherished to him. You're all highly valued. God does not send his son Jesus for something that's not valuable. God didn't send you. God didn't send Jesus just to restore a, a law or start a new religion. He came to restore his family. I want you to hear this song and we'll pray and we'll close.
I'm going to ask you, you mightn't have had an earthly father. You might have had a good father. You might have had an absent father. You might have had a bad father. But whatever the case may be, whatever, whatever the case may be, do not let, do not let that experience rob you from a good, good father. And when you understand the father in heaven, you understand how much he loves you. It just makes you love everything on earth. I, I, it happened to me many years ago where the father I wanted wasn't what I had. But when I understood Father God, I loved my father for who he was and not who I wanted him to be. I don't care. He might have had a bad brother or a bad sister or a bad, whatever it is. So can we just play that softly or play whatever you need? But I want you to, the floor's open. And I just want you to come out. Not to me. I, I don't even want to really want to pray, but I really felt in my spirit, you're coming out to see Father God. You know, shake off all the bells and whistles and what you can and can't do and how good the music is and what's that. But I want you to come out and step, make this the change of your heart. See, if you do not know the Father, you know nothing. This is the moment you come into his presence. There's something about stepping out in faith. There's something about, I'm not taking a, a, a list. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to experience his love. I experienced it. It doesn't leave me. It's the only thing that keeps me going. Because he wants to be known to you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I've gone home to prepare a place in my father's house it's all about the father it's all about the father so i want to challenge you i want you to not worry about who's here i want you and jesus just to meet here and he's the first thing jesus is going to say he's going to look i want to show you my father jesus is like a little kid it's like i want to show you my father perfect love casts out all fear God shows you love, it casts out any fear to go to the Father, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. But there's an anointing, there's a, that the blood of Jesus will cleanse and, and break off everything that you're bound by from the past, from the present, so you can see Father God. The floor's open. I love you. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to love you. But the Spirit of God will do things in your life more than what we could ever do. The floor is open.